Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Slice of Healthcare. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have two people from the International Medical Relief, Sally Kreshevek, might have butchered that, um, and Amy Jordhaim. Really excited to have these individuals on the podcast to talk about the International Medical Relief. We've been talking for a little while now, so super excited. Without further ado, let's bring them on. That's the scary part. Thank you so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you this morning? Great. Doing well. Doing well. It's a muggy day in Boston, which has kind of been a common trend over the last couple of days. So doing all right, though. It's almost the weekend. Solid week. Got a lot done and really looking forward to recording this podcast. So thank you. I would love to just get right into it. Can you tell me a little bit about the either one of you, the International Medical Relief, what you're all about? how you started and kind of go from there. Sure, I will take the lead and Amy can jump in when, uh, when she feels that she needs to on it. So International Medical Relief uh, was founded about 20 years ago with, um, by our president, Shauna King, who is still our president today. And she saw a need for a service at that time. She worked for a different organization, a hospital, and was looking to set up trips, medical relief trips for physicians, and really struggled to find um, something in the market that really, you know, wasn't tied to a particular funding stream or a particular religion, just something that Um, could go out and provide these mobile medical clinics to underserved populations. So she went out and developed her own, and hence International Medical Relief was born. So here we are 20 years later, and we now provide short-term mobile medical and dental clinics to over 60 countries. Um, We probably do about 40 trips a year. And we are short-term mobile medical. So what that means is our trips vary from three days to about nine days. So that makes it really doable for professionals, for students to be able to kind of, you know, leave work, leave family and participate in the trip. So um, as far as our actual clinics, We go into countries where we do a lot of work, and Amy can definitely talk to a lot of this, where we work with the Ministry of Health and government entities in the countries that we go to, to register ourselves as a mobile medical clinic, but also to ensure that we are going into the areas we need to go into so that we can serve populations that have limited to no access to healthcare. Amy, I don't know if you wanted to jump in on any of that at this point. We also create sustainability, Jared, in the sense that we provide our statistics from each clinic to the local Ministry of Health. That's both the, the actual local ministry in the areas or regions where we're working, as well as governmental organizations in the sense of the Ministry of Health. And a good example of this is I just returned from Panama a month ago. And we work directly with MINSA, which is the Panamanian Ministry of Health, to go into the Embera, which is one of the 
indigenous areas of Panama. And in order to do this, you know, it was five hours upriver by canoe and things like that and camping out overnight. And so we worked directly with Minsa's team, which also provided social work, um, uh, a major dental team, ophthalmology and other services, including vaccinations. So it's very important to us that we work directly with the Ministry of Health and that the Ministry of Health is very involved in where we go. Interesting. Uh, do you have relationships with certain uh, countries that are, I guess you could say, stronger than others, where a lot of your trips are based, I guess more so than other countries? Our relationships, we try to establish the same relationship everywhere we go, which is to work directly with the Ministry of Health. And um, in doing so, we, we tend to maintain those contacts over time. Most places where we go, we have a memorandum of understanding in place as well, which formalizes the relationship in regard to our ability to provide care. So I think that probably the strongest places where we go are the places that we've been going to the longest, not surprisingly. And that's um, Senegal is the first country that we went to and is still very dear to our hearts. And uh, also throughout Africa, as well as many places in Asia and South America and Central America as well. Uh, Panama being a good example of this long-standing relationship that eventually evolves into being a foreign medical team that works directly with members of either the, the premier medical school in the country or directly with the Ministry of Health. Interesting. My my, actually, my roommate in college was from Senegal. Um, nice. Yeah. He, uh, I appreciate that. I have many yeah. friends there. He, he um, I mean, he came over here for school, but he had a lot of great things to say about the country. And, um, and you never visited? I never Come on yeah. an IMR trip. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's he's been back there, or he might be back there now since we haven't caught, uh, we haven't stayed in touch, but it used to say a lot of great things. Yeah, I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> Please do. Uh, so what, what type of professionals are within your organization? Do you work with all different types of healthcare professionals on these trips or is there a focus with that? So, well? yeah, so our trips, um, we open up. So the way it works is we, um, obviously we're a mobile medical clinic with a dental portion to it. Um, when a trip goes out, we open it up for volunteers to apply. We are looking for everybody. Um, a great team for us on a trip is a diverse team. There are so many roles in clinic for everybody. So one of the things that also makes us unique is, yes, we obviously need medical professionals. We need providers. Providers for us are nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and obviously your medical doctors. We need nurses. Um, but we also love to have, we love to have students, um, because it's a wonderful training opportunity for them, undergrad, as well as advanced students. Um, we also love to take families. It's a great experience for families to come on a trip together. Um, so we will take children, we will take, uh, family members. Um, there is a trip that will fit every need. Um, our mobile clinic has set up as um, like an acute care walk-in clinic. 
and it is set up in a modular fashion. It doesn't matter what country you go to, the clinic is pretty much going to look the same wherever you go. So patients will come through. Um, patients know that we're coming in advance because of all that advanced work that's done on the ground. So they know we're coming, they're ready for us. They're usually lining up by the time we show up. Um, and then patients go through the stations. They will go through registration. And then everybody has to go through community health education classes. This is really, really an important component of what we do. We are there for a short term um, during that trip. So it is really important to impart community health education. A lot of what we see in clinic can be, I don't want to say eradicated, but diminished by general community health, health education. So, and Sally, if I can jump in there too. Uh, this is also where our relationship with the Ministry of Health, as well as the local Ministry of Health, um, the local people on the ground in that area becomes very important because we do speak with them before we go in order to determine what specific needs there are regarding health education. So, for example, we were just in Tonga, which is in the South Pacific. Tonga is a very strongly religious country and uh, most people speak English. In addition to that, they are very familiar with good hygiene. So we did not focus on water hygiene, um, hand washing, oral hygiene, as we might in a different country. Instead, we focused on the importance of hydration, how nutrition affects hydration, and what happens if you don't have good hydration. And that was at the direct request of the um, director of health services through the university. Good point. And, and to add to that, um, I just got back from a trip to Cambodia and we were in the Korong region where there is a lot of malnutrition among the children. So um, to support what Amy was saying too, we did a lot in the community education classes, teaching parents about feeding their children because they have access to fish, they have access to fresh fruit, but they're not using it to feed their kids because it's a commodity, they can sell it. So teaching them that they need to take a little piece of that to feed the kids, to have the kids healthier. So, you know, exactly as Amy said, it's really personalized to the country and the population that we're working with on that specific trip. Um, that, that trip's also a good example of sustainability because we also work with the Boat of Hope in that region. And once a month, we provide funds for the Boat of Hope to go out and deliver vitamins to all of the children on each of those islands, as well as to deliver hypertensive medication and other necessary medications for more chronic cases. Right. So I, go ahead. Yeah, that's, it's interesting to me. So, so along with providing care when you, when you go on these trips, there's also a lot of educating, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, and in particular at the station. So, for example, when we diagnose, we, we believe that one of the most important things that we do that any mobile medical clinic should be doing is diagnosing undiagnosed, uh, both acute and chronic illness. So hypertension and diabetes, asthma are the three classic examples today. And the world is relatively overrun with these undiagnosed cases. So when we diagnose a case, it's not really appropriate to start medication. They need to be followed by a doctor 
by the public health service, by a public health nurse. So we encourage them and help them to get into the system, but we also provide a lot of education at the provider station about hypertension or about diabetes and what are the potential sequelae of those things. So why does the patient need to treat it? You mentioned a couple, but what, what is the extent uh, I mean, what are the different cases that a professional that goes on one of these trips, what could they be seeing? What, what is like, I, I'm sure there's a, a group of case types that become the norm when they go over there. Everything from simple back pain to simple bladder infections to much more complicated respiratory infections, pneumonias and, and bronchitis and things like that. And then hypertension, diabetes, asthma are our typical, uh, COPD as well, um, are our typical chronic diseases that walk in the door, primarily undiagnosed. And then we see lots of skin infections. Um, there's many eye issues. If we could have more ophthalmology on our trips, we would love that dearly. Um, we try to keep referral lists so that we can give these to the local um, regional health center so that they can either follow patients or if another team comes in, an eye team, for example, comes in, then they have a record of those patients along with what we hope to be a good cell phone number in order to reach out and contact them. So we try to do, even though we're a short-term uh, on-the-ground clinic, we try very hard to make sure that anything that we find is well-reported and this is one of the most important things that we believe a mobile clinic can do is to diagnose and then report. Okay. So it's very, it's amazing to watch people come in the door. They come in with everything. GERD is, is probably the most common of the stomach complaints, but we see lots of infectious diarrhea. We see ver some very septic patients. Um, we see lots of wounds that have gone untreated and have become problematic. We see many chronic wounds that need some specialized treatment, and we take many wound care specialists as well as podiatrists on our trips to deal with many of these serious wounds. And you see this throughout Africa as an example. Uh, we see many snake bites. So it's, you know, these are the common things that we see in the rural areas that we go and that really truly make clinic fun. And I know that you deal with um, people, that there are some people who listen to this podcast that are not of a specialty where they think they might be helpful, but they would be surprised in two ways. First of all, it gets them back to basic patient care, and many of them haven't done this in a while, and it really gives them that challenge of sitting down with, with a family practice friend and refreshing and then reentering that world where they started but it also gives us the opportunity to really use their skills with specific patients. And many times that's the difference in a successful outcome or not. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Very. Okay. So what I would like to talk about now is shift focus just a little bit. And you mentioned a little bit earlier on in the podcast, but talk me through you have an interested healthcare professional that wants to go on one of these trips, all right? What happens from the point they're interested until the point they go on a trip? What, need, what do they need to do? Okay, I can. So we have tried to make it as easy as possible. So everything can be done online through our website. So somebody can go to the website, they can look at the different trips. 
everything under those trips is listed. Um, we're very transparent as to um, the basic itinerary of the trip, what the trip entails, the costing of the trip, um, you know, general questions and answers. They can read through, determine which trip suits them best based on location, based on dates. Um, and then they are not right. The type of trip, some are more rural. Uh, we have what we call our signature trips, which are wonderful trips in beautiful locations and accommodations. So it, every trip really is, is very, very unique and different. So they choose the kind of trip that suits what they're looking for. Um, and then the application is completely online. So they go through and complete the application process. Um, there's some forms they have to fill out. They have to upload their credentials. Um, we do need to see everybody's credentials and they are all verified. So, you know, depending on what their background is. Um, and then once everything is completed, um, paperwork wise, then they go ahead and make the necessary payments and then they are officially on team. But during that process, they obviously have access to um, talk to staff if they need to, uh, to answer any questions. There are conference calls that they're invited to. There are departure calls specific to their team where they meet with the team leader and other team members. So there's many opportunities for any questions they have. Um, and they're also given um, departure packets, we call them, which is information specific to their trip, which they get once they're on team. We don't like to give that out prior to being on a team just for safety and security reasons. But once they're on team, they get a lot more detail specifically to their trip. So we also provide, uh, I'm sorry, we also provide no, ahead, cultural Amy. information to them. And that cultural information is available on our website under our resources tab. They can also see all of the forms and procedures and policies that are used in clinic there as well under the in clinic tab. But we believe that this cultural information in the form we provided in the form primarily of a briefing packet. And then each team receives a, a four to five hour meeting on their first day in country where we also talk about cultural sensitivity, um, safety and security, how to set up clinic. We provide actual hands-on training in that four to five hour meeting on the first day. But, uh, but this cultural sensitivity piece we believe to be very important. And so we have a briefing packet for almost all of the countries we go to and we're catching up on a few new countries. And all of this information is available at no charge, at no cost other than, uh, other than applying to one of our trips. Our uh, provider information, our policies and procedures is available to our team members. So how long does this process take on average? Once we've received their documents, it's, it's just a, a day or two in order to verify their documents for medical professionals. For others, they'll know if they are on the team right away. Okay. Sally, right. was that going to be your answer too? Yeah, and I was going to say it can be as quick as they need it to be. Um, you know, we've had volunteers very last minute say, I really want to get on this trip. Um, and as soon as we can get those documents and verify them, that's the longest piece of it. Um, then we can get them onto a team. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it really comes down to then it seems like to increase speed, it's the, how quickly you get the, that initial application back from the 
applicants and I guess how motivated they are to really kickstart that process and go on the trip. So, all right, that makes a lot of sense. And, and all, as well to provide payment. We want to be clear that there is a payment from the volunteer involved and that uh, that varies from trip to trip, depending on how long the trip is, where the trip is. We try to make it as affordable as possible for people. It can include their airfare as well, which we will book for them in the form of group flight or which we will book individually for them at their choice. Um, we try to make this whole process start to finish from the time they apply until they return home as easy as possible for them. And, uh, and so we can do that amazingly quickly for someone who comes on a trip late. We can take our time and uh, answer many, 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 many questions from our volunteers in the process if that's how they prefer to work. It's really up to them. That was actually my next question was, okay, in that fee, I mean, you mentioned airfare is sometimes included. What, what's included in that? So pretty much when somebody makes a donation amount um, payment, which is what we call it for the trip, um, if they, as Amy said, there's, there's always two prices on a trip. One is inclusive of airfare and one is not because some people don't want the airfare portion. Um, so outside of that piece, once they're in country, everything is taken care of by us. So all of their accommodation, their food, uh, water at clinic, all of the clinical expenses. Um, we hire tr in-country translators for every team. Um, that's all included. And these translators sit one-on-one -on -one with them in clinic translating. Um, all of their in-country transportation to get them to the various clinics and back by whatever mode of transport that is, is included. So once they get in country, they really do not need any additional money. Everything is taken care of. On our longer trips of seven to 10 days, it does include a sightseeing day, which might be a safari in Africa or, or in some parts of Asia. It might be a day at an elephant sanctuary. It might be um, uh, going to see the Panama Canal in Panama or going to a festival, a local festival that's taking place. We have many trips that are based around festivals. It might be seeing an ancient city or an important temple like Angkor Wat. So it can, that sightseeing day could really vary. Um, we, the, that, the, that funding also includes, a, we bring a full laboratory of rapid tests. We bring wound care. We have a respiratory area in clinic. We have an ICU in clinic where we're able to administer IV solutions. Um, we uh, also provide oral rehydration for all patients who come to clinic so that, so that at least they're not dehydrated the day they're in our clinic. And, uh, and so it includes many other facets um, other than the cost of their room and board and transportation, um, security personnel. And it also involves bringing with us local medical students or local young physicians who are doing their year of community service and that is at no charge to them. So it, in, it includes a lot. We also provide um, all of the basic equipment needed for clinic. We encourage providers to bring their own diagnostics because they're familiar with them. But if they don't, we certainly have excellent quality blood pressure cuffs, stethoscopes, um, reflex hammers, hemoglobin machines, every, really pretty much everything you would like to see in a mobile clinic. And then there's also a little piece behind that too, is when we go away, we don't just leave the patients. And there are oftentimes some situations where some of the patients that we've seen need continuation of care. 
And sometimes that involves some finances. So we don't just walk away. Uh, we continue to support those patients um, in ways that they need at that time. Um, and that donation amount is part of that part where that money is coming from. And we have a strong network back here as well. We frequently send photos back or um, perhaps an ultrasound picture back. So because we carry that kind of equipment and so we have a strong network here um, in the United States at many of the medical schools where we can send things back and get an opinion. And that's a beautiful service. That makes a huge difference in what we're capable of doing or what kind of referral we need to make for that patient and gives us um, the ability to, to show an expert. Great, great. Well, I, I wanna take this time first off to thank both of you so much for coming on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. My last question is going to be where people can, where, where can people learn more about you? Uh, and I'll also put that in the show notes. Okay, great. So um, a lot, all our information is on our website, which is internationalmedicalrelief.org. Um, anybody can go on there, look, look at the different trips, look at all the different tabs we have, which really does explain what we do. Um, full transparency, all our financials are on there, our history is on there. So everybody can get the information that they need. And then they can also, if they have specific questions, they are welcome to call in at any time. Um, and our number is 970-635-0110. And Jared, I would be remiss if I didn't mention just one really new and important part of IMR, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. We we are just beginning a refugee camp division. So this is dealing with refugees and asylum seekers in established camps at the invitation of the government. Our first two trips will be uh, a camp in Zambia, primarily with um, refugees from the Congo. And that will be the first week of December. It's gonna be posted today online. And then our second will be in Tanzania in February. And these particular camps are two of the top five camps in Africa as regarding numbers of patients, so or numbers of residents rather. So there's about 67,000 people living in the Zambian camp. Many of them have been there for 10 to 12 years. And, uh, and I encourage anyone who wants to truly make a heroic humanitarian effort to take a look at some of these trips as we begin to post them. And it's our plan to do four of these trips per year. Excellent. And Jared, just to add very briefly, because I know we're trying to wrap up, um, we, we do have lots of individuals obviously come onto our trips, but we also work a lot with groups, hospital-based groups, university groups, so we are open to chatting to anybody who is interested as well in organizing a group uh, to go on a trip with us. Yeah, public health professionals also. Excellent, excellent. Well, I've really enjoyed our time talking on this podcast today and very excited to for finally release this podcast um, probably in the next week. So we will do that and, and go from there. And everything that you included at the end will be in the show notes. So people can follow you on social media and go to your site to learn more. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you Excellent. so much, Jared. We really appreciate it.
Yeah, not yeah, a problem. We're honored, too, that you asked us. I mean, this is a really um, nice, nice way for us to get information out there. But, you know, your, your help here will be invaluable. So thank you so much. And, and take me up on Senegal. You can't imagine how much fun it is. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'll look more into that for sure. Yeah, right. You did. Um, yeah, we have next year's trip posted. So it's in March. Okay. Okay. Um, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thanks to everyone that joined us on another episode of Slice of Healthcare. Before we wrap it up, I would like to thank our sponsor, Block Health, B-L-O-C Health. Block Health is creating a credentialing sharing platform for healthcare professionals and organizations powered by blockchain technology and their smart universal common application. Block Health is making the burden of credentialing, licensing, and other healthcare administration related tasks much easier for both the healthcare professional and the organization. To learn more about Block Health, follow them on social media at BLOC Health or visit them on their website at www.blochealth.com. Thanks everyone and be sure to tune in for our next episode coming soon.